two years ago this week, as COVID cases started to grow, we suddenly found that we could not meet together in this place, but instead started to stream video of our worship and offer the, the, the telephone dial in service. Our world in lockdown was suddenly different. And our world now, as we can continue to journey with COVID cases high, is different again. Didn't it? We can meet here. We're not generally wearing face masks. Some are, some aren't. That's a matter of how we choose to be. The pandemic is no longer gaining the same news coverage, and thankfully for most, um, certainly in this country, the, there's not the serious illness. Though for others, there is still great risk. And some need to be cautious as we proceed. Our news, for the time being, barely mentions our health, and instead there is in-depth coverage of the war in Ukraine. And it's in this inhuman, uh, inhumane humanitarian calamity that we maybe doom-scroll on social media, looking at all the things there, working out... Um, what's happening, and uh, become transfixed by the rolling news. Throughout those two years, disasters have struck, and lives have been lost. Much has changed, but some things remain. The sun rises on a new day. The stars still shine in the heavens. The Lord sends his rain on the just and the unjust, on the sunshine too, because God still loves us, each and every one of us, no matter what we've done in those two years, no matter what we've not done in those two years, or before that, or today, God still loves every single one of us. Last week as we met, a reading told us that there was a history of bad things happening to good people, in particular prophets. The prophets who went to Jerusalem, they would not simply be ignored by those in power, but the bringers of God's word would be persecuted, perhaps stoned to death. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, journeyed onwards to face death and offer 
life. Today, we've heard from earlier in that same chapter of other shocking things that had been happening in Jerusalem. It's as if the people have come and shared the news. They've shared what's happening in the world beyond where Jesus currently is. They've come and spoken of horrific things. For God's people, such as those from Galilee, Jerusalem was the number one possible destination. Their desire on traveling to the holy city was to offer sacrifice at the temple, to cleanse one's soul of sin, to bring an offering made in accordance with the law given through Moses. The people would travel. They'd offer gifts. They'd walk away with a clear conscience. And what better way to enjoy a national festival? What better way could there be but to be in that holy city? And yet bad things happened. For whatever reason, we don't know, Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, had a number of pilgrims killed. A number from Galilee had gone to a festival and their blood was spilled. It says here that it was mixed with the blood of their own sacrifices, the things they'd taken. Now, this event might not have been unique that such a disaster befell the pilgrims. The first century historian Josephus records a number of incidents where the occupier and the occupied people had confrontations, resulting in troops clubbing people in Jerusalem and horses trampling them to death. Bad things, unjust things, sometimes happen to people. Not because they've necessarily done anything wrong, but simply because they are there. The fall of the Tower of Siloam, an accident at the site of the pool that was understood to bring healing, another place of pilgrimage at Jerusalem, was most likely due to poor building standards of the day. But those it fell on were not to blame for that. As far as we can tell, those 18 had no part on it falling on them. They were simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. But some might think, certainly in the first century, well, no smoke without fire. Whoa, they had it coming to them. They must have been sinful people. God caused it to fall on them because of their sin. But that's not right. That thinking is like people who had not read the book of Job. In Job, we see his friends sort of abandon him or say, you've done the wrong thing. Job suffers 
misfortune after misfortune. But these are not brought as punishments from God. They are brought despite God's relationship with Job. God doesn't work in the way of doling out punishments. Not in this life. There will be a day of judgment. There will be a time when we have to face the truth. But it's not on this earth. We are told numerous times throughout the Bible that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, swift to bless. He is a God of love. God wants the best for us, not the worst. And that's why he gave his son into the world. That we can have the best for our life. That we can have a hope for our eternity. And in return, God longs for us to reflect his ways. To reveal his love the world, to show that love in the way that we live, to be fruitful and care for others. The parable Jesus tells the people picks up on this with the idea of fruitfulness. The fig tree um, was a common plant. You might remember how it appears in Genesis chapter 3. The account of the fall, the plant which provides Adam and Eve big leaves to be turned into garments, that they stitch the leaves together and they suddenly have clothes. They put something on after they have sinned. The fig was commonly in vineyards. But for three years, this fig tree in the parable has not produced fruit. We might rightly wonder, does that mean the tree is too immature to produce fruit? Is it a young tree? fig tree won't make fruit for about the first four or five years of its life. It won't offer up that fig. That would suggest, if it was an immature plant, that the the owner is making a perverse demand upon it, something that it couldn't possibly do. Why has the primary school pupil not got a GCSE? In English, we might well ask, you know, because it's not done those Next years of education and sat the exam. Why does a bus take longer than three hours to get from London to Edinburgh? You know, because it's got hundreds of miles to go. It can't go that fast. Why can we not burn a candle at both ends and get it to last twice as long as if we were only burning one wick? Doesn't work that way, does it? So to ask a young fruit tree for fruit, for a 
thing that would be beyond the acceptable. It's just something that it can't do. It would be unreasonable of our expectation. And we sometimes put unreasonable expectations on others. We always have to think about what is fair and just in what we expect others to do. But there's nothing in the passage saying that the tree is still too young. And perhaps we are giving far too much benefit of the doubt if we go down the immature tree angle. No, it's a tree that should be producing fruit. Why is it not there? The owner of the vineyard has an expectation and there is nothing to call this a false hope. Nothing to say that that was wrong. Jesus is saying there are expectations of God on us that could be realized but are not always met. We aren't fruitful in the way that God wants us to be. Indeed, we aren't always fruitful in the way that we are capable of. And God knows it. However, the story doesn't end with the tree being chopped down, does it? Jesus' story isn't simply... There was no fig there, and that was the end of it, chopped up and burned. No. The gardener says, oh, give it another year. Let's see what I can do. Let's bring some change. I'll dig round it. I'll fertilize it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens if we put in a bit more work. We'll see if we can give some encouragement to the fig tree and see if it will then give us fruit. We have the God of love. And God has given us his son that we get another chance we get another opportunity of life. We get another possibility to show that we can be fruitful for God. We can be nurtured. We can be dug round and fertilized. We can be providing the fruit that we should be in God's vineyard. Forgiveness and new life is there for us. There's a new opportunity. New life is there for the disciple. But we have to remember that being a Christian is not simply about being planted in the vineyard. It's not simply about being born into a family that happened to believe. 
And it's not just about being present in the vineyard. It's not simply about being in attendance at church in whatever way we attend at church, whether it's on site or online or on the phone. We have to be fruitful for God. We have to listen to his call upon our lives, whatever stage of life that happens to be. We have to listen to that call, and we have to respond. Sharing the accounts of Holy Week, we see a tree in Jerusalem, a fig tree, that Jesus wants to take fruit from. But it fails to offer him anything. Uncursed, it withers and dies. If we don't repent, we perish. But if we take the opportunity to change and to live God's way, the kingdom grows and there is joy to be had. Jesus gives us that second chance of life. He makes it possible to change. So we live in a way that reveals God's love flowing out from us. Let's not be dry. Let's not be fruitless. Let's not offer up a withered nothingness, but refreshed by God's Holy Spirit, refreshed by the living water. May we be the people of God. May we be changed and be the people of love. Amen.